Well, we're, we're in this study that we're calling His Story of Us uh, to show God's redemption story from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We, we felt like that we needed to spend some time talking about the big stories because we realized as the new generation has come up, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the younger generation and some of the older generation, not to pick on anybody particularly, is that they don't know the big stories. You know, one, times have changed quite a bit in the last 40 or 50 years, last 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, you probably didn't have a computer in your pocket, you know, and times have changed. You know, when I grew up in the dark ages, in the 60s and 70s, you know, that seems like a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Uh, they would actually, in, when I was in high school, they would read a Bible portion. They would, have a, they would do a devotional and a prayer, and then we did the Pledge of Allegiance. So, so in those, I'm just saying, in those days, there was a, a greater respect and honor and value of the Word of God. So kids grew up, even if they didn't grow up in church, they grew up somewhat, it was a part of television. It was, a, you know, it was, a, I don't know, like, like the shows we watched on television, when I went to a church where television was of the devil, but if you watched like the Roy, the Roy Rogers show, he had his like, one of his things like was read your Bible every day. You think the Teletubbies are going to tell you that? They're not Teletubbies anymore. I'm sorry. That's just the only thing that came to my mind. Uh, you think, uh, I can't think of anything. The trolls. You think the trolls are going to tell you that? No. So, so we're doing the big stories. Today we're talking about Jesus calming the storm. This is, this, I love this story. So on that day, Mark is continuing a dialogue where Jesus had been teaching along the, the shore of Galilee, the shore of Galilee. Uh, he had been teaching, and uh, at the end of that day, he says, let's go to the other side. So it's at the end of this day, he's been teaching. There's people gathered on the shore, and uh, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, the other side was, a, was, was, was not as Jewish a part of Palestine in that day. It was, it was more of a more of a Gentile region. That's why they were raising pigs over there. They didn't raise pigs in the Jewish area. So Jesus says, let's go the other side. And he's talking about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is uh, eight miles wide. It's 13 miles long. It, its deepest point is 141 feet. It is the lowest sea level freshwater lake in the world. Uh, second lake, the lowest lake in the world is the Dead Sea, which is below sea level, and it, but it's not a freshwater lake. It is a saltwater lake. And uh, that may come up, you know, you may someday be on Jeopardy. You may need to know that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you win that million dollars or whatever it takes. Who wants to be a millionaire? You know, they'll ask dumb questions like that. 
And I love, I'm a cornucopia of useless facts. So Jesus says to them, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, which makes me think that this is probably, you got to realize that four of the 12 disciples were fishermen, at least four, maybe more. At least four of the followers of Christ were fishermen. Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John from their boats. They were fishing, and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So it's likely that the boat they're getting into is one of their boats. Would that make sense? I mean, if you're going to get in, they don't just, don't just choose a boat. We'll just take this one here. You know, that was somebody's property. So, so it's likely they got, so that's how you, so they took him with them. Because now we're entering into, Jesus is the teacher, and he is the, you know, he's the miracle worker, but they were fishermen. They've moved from what they think he knows to what they know, right? They're, they're experts there. And took him along with them just as he was. I have no idea what that means. Think about that. They took him just as he was. And this is one of those things. I love this. When you have a question like this, I'm like, I wonder what that means. And you go to the commentaries, they're like, they don't even guess. So I'm going to guess. They went without provision. They didn't, it wasn't, they didn't plan it. They didn't have their suitcases with them. They just went as they were. Jesus says at the evening time, he says, hey, let's go the other side. And because he's Jesus and he's their teacher, they say, okay, let's go. And just as he was, and the other boats were with him, so they weren't by themselves, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, which would be the best place to be, asleep on the cushion. They just had one, and Jesus got it, right? And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Other translations say, do you not care that we're drowning? I mean, this is the obvious thing. You know, they're, what are they afraid of? They're afraid the boat's going to go down. They're in a storm. This is before they've invented life preservers. You know, so ha- they're concerned that it's hard to swim in a storm. And they could be miles away from the shore. So don't you care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and he became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid, so they became more afraid than they had been before when they were afraid of drowning. They were afraid, now they're very much afraid. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Now, fear is something that we all deal with every day. Fear is a part of our makeup. Fear is even, when it's reasonable, is protective. You know, the fear of burning or fire. We, We soon learn that something's hot and we avoid it. And we usually learn that 
by touching something hot or getting burned. Uh, the fear of heights. The fear of falling. You know, fear of heights is the only, the only worry about heights is falling. I mean, heights is not a problem unless you're going to fall. So we fear heights. That's a natural thing to fear heights. I mean, uh, I talk, you know, I'm not a great fan of heights. Like we have a lift. We have a lift that will go all the way to this peak, which is just 36 feet. I don't want to fall from 36 feet. It will go to 36 feet. And I want to tell you, when you're on that lift at 36 feet, you are, if when it moves like this, I have, if I'm, whenever we were building the building, we were using it for a while, I can only work one handed because <laughs> I'm holding onto the lift. It takes you a while to use the fact that, you know, that that hand's not going to help you, <laughs> you know, so, but that's a, that's a natural fear. T- Tina, when we went to the Eiffel Tower years ago, uh, she didn't want to stand at the edge. She wanted to stand back from the edge because when she stands at the edge, she describes electricity goes through her legs. You might experience that too. Now here's the anomaly. She loves roller coasters and that crazy ride at the fair, this elevator thing that drops you and goes back up and drops you. It's six flags. I said the fair. I was wrong. They probably have them at the fair too. Uh, Electricity. A, A respect for electricity. We have, we have in this church uh, I'm not sure from the, but about six linemen. I see one, two, three, four, five right now. So we have, and then, and we have Greg who's just doesn't do a lineman's work anymore, but he works for Encore. And the guys who work with high voltage, I mean, unbelievable, they have a great respect for it. And you have to have it. And, and I'm, I kind of have a respect for electricity in the same way, but when I was two, I put a set of car keys in an electrical outlet. And, uh, you know, I don't, remember, I don't remember doing it. My parents said that it threw me across the room. And, uh, but I'm the baby. Uh, and so until I was about 10 or I didn't understand this, until I was about 10 or 12, I, I always kind of resisted plugging something in. So my older brother and sister would torment me. Go plug that in. It's like, no, I don't want to, please. I don't, I don't want to plug that in. It's like, I didn't, I didn't know why. Because I didn't remember. But I was inordinately af- afraid of electricity. And I'm still very cautious. I mean, I've done a lot of electrical stuff and work and... Uh, but, you know, I'm going to turn the breaker off, and then I'm going to use my little voltage meter and test it to make sure it was the right breaker, and then I'm going to use my little voltage tick as I'm working every now I'm just, I'm just cautious because, I'm, because of something that happened. And a lot of us, fears are based on something that happened and our reaction to it. Uh, the fear of not having what we need to live on, and the fear of... of of enough sustenance, security, security needs are really important to us. I think if you're a woman, they're li- I mean, it's important to all of us and it's not to pick on women, but security is a real high value to us, men and women, a little bit higher, I think on the scale for women. 
you know, and that's a generalization. It doesn't apply to everyone. Your mileage may vary. Uh, <laughs> fear of death. We all, you know, I mean, that's pretty reasonable, right? The fear of death. And so there are rational fears that when we have time to think about it, when we're operating under those, you know, when we're operating under that concern, it operates as a, a caution for us. That I'm going to be cautious. Or I'm going to take care. And so that's reasonable. That's good for us. It's good for us to not do just what we always think right on the spur of the moment. Sometimes we need to think about the consequences. You know, what if I bought everything I wanted in the spur of the moment? I, I should fear the consequences. What if I did what I wanted all the time? Just what I wanted. Just did what I wanted. That'd be dangerous, wouldn't it? So there, we need to be able to have a reasonable fear that helps us, helps us as a guard. That's, that's how God designed it, as a guard. So we don't burn ourselves, shock ourselves, kill ourselves, harm ourselves. But most of us don't operate in our fear that way. Most of us don't function the way fear is designed because it's not under the control of faith. And it, and it wheels in us an excessive, distorting influence over our thinking and behaviors. So a fear that's, that can become then a controlling fear. And when fear is misplaced, we think and act wrongly. Misplaced, misplaced fear becomes a tyrant and imposes limits on us and leaves us debilitated in one area or the other. One, here's one of, the, one of the areas it affects me. One of the areas. I, I, I mean, as I look back over my life, in some areas I've been very courageous. Uh, you know, in some areas. But in some areas, I'm a chicken. And one of the things that one of my struggles is, I don't like conflict. Anybody, anybody there? You know, so I don't like conflict. So because of that, because I don't like conflict, sometimes it has caused me, it's, it's caused me it's debilitated me in things that I should have dealt with, I didn't deal with because I, I, I could imagine all the worst case scenarios if I do deal with it. So since I don't like conflict, if, if, if I need to have conflict with you, we're probably going to have it when I blow up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it tamped down. I'm going to try to manage it and deal with it. And then one day it's gonna like, I'm going to be like Katie Kaboom. I'm just going to blow my top. That's not a good way. I'm just telling you, that's where I struggle. I know you all thought I was perfect, so I just wanted to dispel that. I am not. That's just one area that I'm talking about today. I can't talk about all of them. We don't have time. Okay. So fear can become a tyrant. We don't do what we should do because we're afraid. And it's irrational. Often it's irrational. It's an irrational fear. It's the fear that wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you think the craziest thoughts. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and worry? Fearful of things that in the morning you get back and think, I don't think it was a legitimate fear that the ceiling was going to collapse and kill us in our bed. I don't know where that came from. But you, in the middle of the night, you have these irrational fears. And so sometimes your fears, and we all have stuff, we all have fears. In other words, there's probably things that have happened in you. I don't know why I don't like conflict. I mean, my family was 
healthy that I grew up in. My mom and dad stayed together. They argued some. I didn't see much of their conflict. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why I'm this way. I mean, I, I can't think of any, there's not any tragedy in my past that makes me avoid conflict, but, but it's there in my personality, and it's a, it's a pain because it, it causes me to, to have an unreasonable fear in that area. And so you probably have, you may have, in the same way, some area where you have an unreasonable fear about security or any number of things that have happened, so now it's, it's kind of tweaked your personality a little bit because of what's happened. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Now, we can be free from excessive fears. This text shows us how to be free of fears. If that, is that a good thing, we want to be free of fears? So we want to we learn this. So one of the things, we have to let Jesus ask this to us. As he asked them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And, you know, if you ask these guys while the storm was raging, I think their response would have been to you, duh. I mean, they're in a boat. And... Obviously, it is sinking, which is not a good condition for a boat. They're in trouble. And they're in it. And they're experienced boatmen. These are guys that have been on the Sea of Galilee their whole lives. They've probably grown up as boys. They interned with their fathers or their grandfathers in learning how to fish. They had seen boats go out in the morning and not come back. And the guys on them never making it back. They knew the consequences of going down at night in a boat in a storm. This is very real to them. They're, they, they're, they know. So if you ask them, why are you afraid? They're saying, because we know what happens when you sink a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at night. Is, although there were other boats... They're, trying, they're fighting for their lives too. Right? Sometimes we get upset at the people around us because they don't do what we want them to do in a crisis. We're in a crisis and we think, why doesn't anybody care? And we don't realize that their boat's sinking too. We get all upset and we look over and think, well, our boat's sinking. Why doesn't anybody care? And they're looking over at us and saying, well, my boat's sinking too. Why don't you care? So their, their boat's sinking. It seems like, you know, and it seems like the reasonable thing to do. And if you'd ask them, if you'd ask them, uh, do you believe bef before this happened, if you asked them before Jesus calmed the storm, if you'd ask them, do you believe that Jesus has the power to overcome this storm? They would have said, no, no, he's, he's a good guy, but he doesn't. He's not a storm-calming kind of guy. You see, they didn't believe that Jesus 
ruled over this earthly danger. They didn't believe in that moment because they were afraid. They did not believe that Jesus was greater than the storm. If they had believed that Jesus was greater than the storm, they wouldn't have been afraid. But in that moment, their revelation of who Jesus was was limited. They saw him as a teacher and possibly a miracle worker, but they didn't see him as God. In fact, they are exasperated at his indifference and his ability to sleep when they're in a panic. Nothing will bother you more than to be in a panic and nobody else is panicking with you. We're in trouble here, and they're like, on the one cushion. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Now, here's the advantage that Jesus has. He knew what was going to happen. He knew there was going to be a storm. He actually invited them to go to the other side knowing they were going into a storm. They didn't know that, but he knew that. He says, hey guys, let's go to the other side. And so he invites them into a storm. And they say to him, overcome, overcome, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing or drowning? Now here's what, here's what they're trying to figure out. They're doing what we all would do. They're trying to survive. And it's not bad. It's a practical thing to do. This is a practical thing to do. They're doing everything they can to keep the boat from sinking. They're using their wit and their ability. They're using what they've learned as seamen. They're, le- they're trying to keep the bow of the boat facing into the waves so that the waves aren't coming across the, the boat. They're trying not to get sideways so that the boat is rolled over. They're trying to use all of their skill as seamen and fishermen on how to how to do that. They're using their skill, but waves are coming over the boat. The boat is filling up. They wake up Jesus, not believing that he's going to calm the storm. They wake up Jesus because they need more manpower. They wake up Jesus because they're thinking, we're getting behind. The boat is filling up. We're sinking. Jesus, get up. Help us bail the boat out. Don't you care Jesus, we need some help. Man a bucket. Get a bucket. We know you're the teacher. You're the holy one. Okay, but we need you to get hold of a bucket and get to work. Right? So they're thinking of the practical, and it's practical. You often have to do that. You have to do the practical. There's wisdom in that. I mean, they're doing what they should have done. But, But they're doing everything they know to do, and it's not enough. You ever get there? You're doing everything you know to do. You're taking all the steps you need to take. You're, you're being diligent. You're being practical. You're working. You're taking care of business, but it's still not enough. The boat is still sinking. So Jesus says to them, why do you not have faith? Now he's not rebuking them because of their effort. He's rebuking them because they didn't understand who he was. It wasn't because they feared the storm. They'd been in other storms. But they feared the storm less than they feared him. And you say, he wanted them to fear him? Well, why are you so afraid? 
If they had believed that Jesus was greater than the storm, they wouldn't have been afraid of the storm. But when they realized that Jesus was the one who by his word could calm the storm and stop the winds, they realized that the person in their boat was God. And it scared them. And it showed them. They realized that who in the, was in the boat with them was God because they knew their psalms. They knew that Psalm 107 says, He, God, caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Notice that term. Same term that was used. He calmed the storm. He hushed the storm. Peace be still. Psalm 65, 7, Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the tumult of the people. Psalm 89.9, you rule the swelling of the sea when its waves rise, you still them. I mean, who can who calms storms? Anybody? Science? We figured it out yet? Can you walk out in the weather and say, stop raining? It's a little cold out here. We have the only person who can stop the winds is the wind maker. The only one who can stop the storm is the storm maker, the one who created it all. And when they realized that the creator, the God of the universe was sitting in the boat with them, it frightened them. And they realized we need to be more afraid of him than the storm. They realized that he was God, even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, they could have been, you know, yeah, yeah, he's healed a couple of people. But here's the thing about healing some people. It's possible that I could convince you that you're healed. I could trick you. Even if somebody was raised from the dead, I, without the use of medical technology back in the day, in Jesus' day, I could maybe hire somebody to act like they were dead. I could get some actors to play that I'd heal them. Then I'm not saying they believed that. I'm just saying they still didn't understand fully who he was. But when he stopped the storm and spoke to the winds and they stopped, they realized he's more than we thought. He's more than we thought. Now see, here's the difference with the fear of Jesus. It wasn't oppressive. It didn't impose constrictive limits or leave them debilitated and cowering. They were all hiding in the boat saying, Jesus is more powerful than the storm. No, it was liberating. It opened up universe of possibilities to them. They realized with God, with God, nothing is impossible. Now their, now their perspective has changed. We need to stop fearing things more than we fear Jesus. That's my main point. You've got to say amen to that. Amen. We need to stop fearing the things that we think we should fear. We should realize that God is in the boat. Those imagined are real things in your life, no matter how big they are, no matter how much bigger they are than you, no matter how big the diagnosis is or the problem is or the difficulty is or the loss is or the pain is, they're bigger than you, but they're not bigger than Jesus. 
It's all about getting the perspective that it's about how big he is, not how big we are. We need to not be afraid because we realize that Jesus is in the boat. And it's really not that. It's not that Jesus is in your boat. You got invited to be in Jesus' boat. It's a little different, isn't it? Because I don't know if you know this about Jesus' boat, but you can't sink it. (laughs) You can't sink God in the boat. We have to trust him. Jesus says, don't fear, only believe. We can't assume, panic and assume he doesn't care. That's where we get in trouble. That's where they got in trouble. They made an accusation. We're perishing and you don't care. He does care. He cares more than we know. And the storm is also serving a purpose we don't understand. See, God uses the storm. God used this storm to increase their faith. When they got to the other side, they had a greater understanding of who Jesus was than they'd ever had. And they knew something that they didn't know on the other side. When they got to the other side, they learned something. Jesus is bigger than the storms I'm going to face. They learned something. You learn something in the storm. In the storm, when you give your fears to God, you learn something. You learn that God is bigger than my storm. I didn't want this storm. I didn't, I didn't invite this storm. But God's going to use it. If you're a believer, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to waste one thing in your life, and he's not going to waste bad things. And especially in bad things, there's something about when bad things happen that we cling on to the Lord, that is, as we survive those things and we get to the other side, we realize he was with me in the storm all along. He was with me in the boat, and he was the one who stood up and said, peace, be still. We don't panic because we realize we can cast all our cares upon him. Now, I like this. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 7, now Peter is likely the one who woke him up. He was the leader. It sounds like Peter. Just, you know, just saying what came to his mind. You don't, why don't you get up? Don't you care that we're all going to drown here? Just saying the first thing that came to his mind. Like some of us. But Peter says this in 1 Peter 5 verse 7. He says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That's the, that's the promise. He cares for us. We can, we can, in the middle of the storm, we can call out to him. And we don't have to say, Lord, don't you care? He does care. We know he cares. How much does he care? Well, he cares so much that he came in the flesh and he bore our sins in his body on the cross. Not just everybody else's sins. He bore my sins. Every sin that I 
have sinned and will sin. In that moment on the cross, he bore all of our weight. That's why he said, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he was carrying God, a very God who had never sinned, carried our sin in his body on the cross. He bore the pain of the lashes on his back that cut to the bone on his back. By his stripes, Peter says, we are healed. He bore it in his body on the cross so that we would have this confidence he cares for us. For the Christian, every storm serves the Lord Jesus and demonstrates some aspect of his sovereign power. We know him better on the other side of the storm. And if we trust him, he will deliver us from every single storm, even the storm that kills us. I don't know if you know this about being a Christian, but you can't lose. The worst thing that can happen to you, the very worst thing that can happen to you is that you step from this life into eternal victory and reward. That's the worst thing. That's the punishment. That's the victory in Christ. You see, why? Why? Because he, he took your death. So Jesus said, he who believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. He who believes in me will never die. That was half-hearted. Come on. Let's do it. Amen. It's not for me. It's for the truth of the Word of God. His victory is complete in Christ so that even when, even when we face death, it's not a defeat. Because the sting of death has been taken away. And so even the, if we lose the last fight, we win. Paul says it this way, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. You know what a good fight is? A good fight is a fight you win. It's not a good fight if you get beat up. Right? Nobody likes that fight. Paul said, I'm going to win this fight. He said, I've taken some punches. I've been beat up a bit, but it's not over. Because God's in charge of the fight. I fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Because I don't know if you know this, but life is a fight. You got to get a hold of that. I don't want want to be depressing or or make this hard, but you got to realize life is hard and life is a challenge. With God on your side, you're going to make it, but you're going to have to get up and fight every day. You're going to have to fight the fight of faith every day. And if you think, well, God didn't love me because it's hard, you're missing out the truth. Life is hard. God loves you, and he died on the cross to prove it, and he's with you in the middle of the fight. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you because you're having a tough time. You're having a tough time because you're alive. You're in the fight. It is a fight of faith. It is a fight to believe the right things. It is a fight to believe that God loves me. It's a fight to do the right things. It's a fight to walk in righteousness and do what I ought to do instead of what I want to do. It's a fight to raise kids. 
It's a fight to keep your marriage together. It's a fight to stay employed. It's a fight not to spend too much money. It's a fight to not go in debt. Everything is a fight. You have to fight the fight of faith. You've got to show up. You've got to do it. Paul says, I've been fighting the fight. He says, but I like this. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all, also to all who love his appearing. We're all going to get it. So what fears have you got? It's 1201. I got three minutes. Okay. What fears do you have? You knew I was going to go to 1204. I'm just telling you that I got three minutes. What fears have a hold of you? Cast them upon the Lord because he cares for us. Here's what the Bible says. Cast your fears on the Lord. Trust him with all your heart. Trust him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And then Philippians tells us, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will rule your heart and your mind. Give God your fears. God is bigger than your fears. See, that's how, how do you trade? You trade the fear of the stuff you think might happen to the fear of a bigger God who's bigger than our fears. It's not, a, it's not an oppressive fear. It's a freeing fear. That this God is bigger. They, that's why they looked in the boat and they said, who is this? They kind of nudged each other and said, hey, guys, you realize this? God is in the boat with us. It's a little scary. Because if you read the Old Testament, when they saw God, they got zapped. So they're thinking, we just saw God. God is in the boat with us. I want to tell you, in Jesus Christ, Jesus came so that you could get in God's boat. And with God... Nothing is impossible. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. So if, you, if you've got some fears today, and who doesn't? Really? Who doesn't? You got something that's weighting you down? Give it to Jesus. Cast it. He uses that kind of a fishing term there. He's just like, he's throwing it. Throwing it upon the Lord. Cast it. Don't reel it back in. So, Father, we just bring you all of our fears. You know what's troubling every mind in this place, the secret places that haunt us in our sleep, in the night, our fears, our anxieties, our worries. Lord, I pray that you would set us free, that you would break those chains of the things from our past that are holding us in our present fearful, and that it would be broken by the truth that you are bigger than every problem we have. You're bigger than our past. You're bigger than every circumstance. You're bigger. There is nothing impossible with you. So, Father, I pray that you would help us exchange our fears today for the knowledge that you're bigger, that you're God, 
that you speak to the storm and it's silent. Lord, I pray, speak to the storm in our hearts today. Peace be still. In Jesus' name, amen.